right, welcome into another week of Surviving Paradise. I am your host, Stacey Bauman. I appreciate you joining me for yet another round or another walk through the beautiful paradise, the spiritual paradise of Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> we are the podcast that takes a look at the lifestyle, the culture, the teachings, the doctrines, all the good stuff surrounding Jehovah's Witnesses. And when I say good, I mean that with gross dripping sarcasm. If you're new to the show and you happen to have stumbled upon it, welcome. We love to have all kinds of new listeners. Just know that nothing is meant to be personal. It's all just a guy, former elder, ministerial servant, and a kid raised in the 70s and 80s taking a look at the spiritual paradise of Jehovah's Witnesses that, by no small coincidence, I have left. <laughs> I wanted to tackle a subject this week that, oh my God, this is one of my favorite pet peeve subjects probably of all time. And this particular one is going to give you a peek into a very overactive mind, <laughs> not just of a young boy, but also a teenager and a grown man who was appointed to serve the congregation as an elder for a little over 11 years and who had exited the faith or what I very not so fondly refer to as the cult of Jehovah's Witnesses. And to be honest, before I even dive into this, I'm already embarrassed. <laughs> For the record, my biggest fear in this particular episode of Surviving Paradise is that it's going to run really long. <laughs> so you have been forewarned. I will do my best to cover this pet subject as succinctly and as organically and as transparently as I possibly can, because this is one oddly enough, that affected me all the way into adulthood, even into my 30s and 40s when I became an elder and was a grown man, father, and whatnot. So my biggest fear isn't the subject, so brace thyself. It's really that I might get long-winded because I just got a lot of stories and several references, I'll try to keep those to a minimum, that will give a new listener or one of my wonderful men or women that grew up during these decades that happen to be listening, a real jaunt down memory lane as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, particularly 70s, 80s, 90s. So what is that subject? That subject is those crazy demons. Yes, demons, sons of Satan, originally sons of Jehovah, but some things took a a slight detour. They followed Satan out the door and now demons and their incredible impact on the mind of a child. And by extension, according to Jehovah's Witnesses, the entire universe, because they are in fact, just as their name seems to indicate truly evil spirits, evil spirits that want to hurt all of us people whether they are adults or children, and are influencing everything we see in the world today, according to their often quoted scriptural verse, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, which states that the whole world is lying in the power of the wicked one. 
And all references, of course, eh, paraphrased from the New World Translation, the book doctored and built by the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses. So demons, spooky, scary demons. And I've got to believe that I'm not the only kid during these generations that was deeply impacted by the way Jehovah's Witnesses taught all things demons, scary spooky, deadly, evil. I want to take a quick look to kind of set the stage, set a foundation for those that might be new, or maybe those that have very uh, successfully blocked all this out of their minds that might have been a child who grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. But I will tell you right out of the shoots, this stuff scared the hell out of me. It scared the hell out of me as a kid and not just as a little boy but as a teenager and and i'll go into that in some depth and, and give you some very real and somewhat embarrassing experiences and emotions throughout this chat on on jehovah's witnesses and their constant pounding of demons demonic influence all led by their head guy satan the devil himself but i thought first I'd like to tackle some of the char characteristics, excuse me, surrounding the demons uh, as taught by Jehovah's Witnesses and the governing body, because after all, they've got an interesting insight and snapshot into demons. The eight guys in upstate New York are Christ's brothers, handpicked by him starting in 1919. So they can certainly speak with authority as to their evil brothers and We'll find out it's really weird to refer to them in male terms, but they're evil brothers who decided to bail out of heaven and become demons. So I thought I would take a peek just to start out at some of the things you can currently pull up in the Jehovah's Witness Library, even online, regarding demons. And as I mentioned, this stuff scared the hell out of me as a kid. And I'll go into that. But keep in mind that as I clipped through a couple of comments from the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses still available to the planet, warning them about demons, that children, little kids are hearing and seeing this stuff. Whether they're reading it or not is debatable because most Jehovah's Witnesses don't read their own literature, but they're certainly hearing it at Kingdom Halls. They're seeing it in illustrations, even the little kid books like my book of Bible stories in 1978 and the new revised version. Forgive me, I can't remember when they did that. They basically changed the cover. Little kids are handed this stuff and are taught this and are taught to be in fear of this and to be aware that there's a whole bunch of evil, invisible guys watching everything they do and where possible influencing them. So let's take a look. Why share this? As I just mentioned, Kids are hearing this. Of course, grown adults are, but kids. Let's take a look at a sampling. And I tend to pull references from the decades that I personally may have been impacted or grew up in, uh, even though some of them are the best, funniest stuff you will find. Here's one from the Watchtower of 1963, March 15th, pages 186 and 187, under the article, Resisting Wicked Spirit Forces. Note, quote here, quote, excuse me, what one should do then is making a searching examination of all his activities. And of course, 
I'm not, I'm going to try not to read all of these articles. You can go look them up. That's why I provide references, but they're talking about, oh no, you're being attacked by wicked demons, by spirit forces. So their counsel is make a searching examination of all your activities. Does one, for instance, use a Ouija board or a planchet or even have such an instrument in the house? Is one giving into hypnotism in any degree? <gasps> is one going into any self-induced trance, perhaps through so-called concentration exercises? <laughs> Concentrating. Ooh. And postures. Postures peculiar to demon religion? Is one in his desire? Now we're talking motives. To be free of some illness, going to a practitioner that is using psychic or clairvoyant diagnosing and healing methods. One of the most common ways demons both ensnare and harass people is by, quote, voices, unquote. The invisible voices pretend to be departed relatives or even good spirits, spirits sent from God. But this is falsehood, deception. No matter what the voices claim to be, they are wicked spirits. It goes on to say, if demon assault comes at night, light may be helpful. Go hit the switch, turn on the light. Under no circumstances give way to hysteria and panic, which might induce a nervous breakdown. Just what the demons want to bring about. End quote. Watchtower of 1963, March 15th, page 186 and 187. You got demons. They're bothering you. They're in your house. Eh, it helps. Turn on a light. Hit the light switch. That tends to scare invisible spirit demon guys, bad guys. Take a look around. Are you packing around a Ouija board you forgot about? <laughs> if Are you going to a doctor who you know nothing about in his personal life, but he might like demons or he might get hypnotized? Or he might have healing things that lean that way. All of these things could bring on demons. But whatever you do, as the council here says from the governing body, don't give way to hysteria and panic when being attacked by invisible bad guys. Don't do that. That's just what they want. I know this is going to shock you if you're just tuning in. But I'll bet you can guess what the cure is. You've got demons coming into your house. They're bothering you. They're harassing you. What's that cure? I know this will shock you. Quote, so by having real faith, by keeping busy in God's service, only available, of course, with Jehovah's Witnesses, and by following the eight guys in upstate New York, and by unceasing prayer, can one break the enemy's power? Going out and preaching as a Jehovah's Witness and the demons will leave you alone. <laughs> Watchtower of 1963, folks. There it is. You're getting harassed by invisible guys. Flip on a light. Scour the room for anything evil. Don't go to bad doctors. And get yourself out in the preaching work. Play some books. That will get those demons to leave you alone. Another reference, The Awake. Again, Decades that affected my life or counsel that I read or was impacted by. The Awake of April 8th, 1998, page 18. Quote, the demons are real. How else could the insatiable thirst for blood and destruction so evident among people today be explained? Humans naturally want to live in peace and happiness. 
but the demons promote badness and have the power to influence and corrupt the human mind. End quote. <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect, which wasn't that dramatic. When you, when you read quotes like this, I can tell you as, as a bit of a teaser, I was often left thinking, are, are we as people just part of a giant video game? We're just like video game characters. The demons influence and corrupt us into bad behavior. Like they push the A button instead of the B and we go sideways. Very, very strange commentary on why all powerful supernatural creatures just, they want to influence you and me. That seems to be where they get their kicks and their thrills, according to the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses. And yes, I'm on the surface of this issue, folks. I'm on the surface. We could go deeper. We could examine doctrine and where this all comes from. But again, Surviving Paradise podcast just isn't about that. It's about the impact it has on myself and others emotionally, mentally, how it affected them as kids and adults. So keep in mind, all of this counsel is meant to penetrate the minds and hearts of everyone from kids to old people that wicked demons and spirits are out there. Look out. But let's continue. The Awake of 1986, August 22nd edition, pages 11 through 13. Folks, this is online if you would like to read this with your own eyes. And that is strongly encouraged here by this host. Don't take my word for it. But if you want to see the grand wisdom of Christ Brothers, you can check out this article, which is entitled, The Demons Controlled Me from 1986. It says, and I'm just going to give snapshots in this article, a man who apparently was, as he states in this article, a spirit medium, a sorcerer, a male witch. He was involved in magic and voodoo and spiritistic practices. But he goes on to relate such grand experiences as this, available to all Jehovah's Witnesses all over the world. Uh, Once I became so upset with my grandmother and wanted her to be hurt, I called to the demons, asking specifically that she should cut herself. Guess what? That afternoon, she cut herself with a knife. He practiced voodoo. He used articles of clothing and made an image of my brother. I wanted to keep him from bothering me. Afterward, whenever he came within 10 feet of me, he got shooting pains in his chest and had difficulty breathing. So he learned to keep away from me. Later, an acquaintance scoffed at my ability to summon the demons. I knew he dealt in drugs, so I told him he'd be arrested and then be released. The demons did just what I requested. Within two months, the man was arrested. Afterwards, the charges were dropped and he was released. The man never questioned my abilities again. (laughs) Again, this is from the awake of 1986, The Demons Control Me. Pages 11 through 13, the August 22nd edition. He goes on to talk about how he was into the occult and he would seek out information on black magic and spirit mediums and astrology and the, the, the you know, all things which Wiccan. He, he goes into deep detail about how he did this. But then, as you might have guessed, this isn't being shared with Jehovah's Witnesses just as a form of entertainment. No, it's leading you down the path you might have guessed. There's only one way for him to get away from the evil, invisible guys that he's been hanging out with. 
he must get involved with Jehovah's Witnesses. He must start worshiping Jehovah, according to what the governing body says. But that wasn't easy either. In this experience, he goes on to relate in the article, quote, the demons, of course, didn't want me to study, but I knew that what I was learning was the truth, and I was not going to give it up, even though the demons tried to stop me. They would hit me while I was in bed. Once a blow to the head was so severe that it took hours for the pain to subside. I prayed to Jehovah for help, and after that, he kept them out of my room. Not out of the house, mind you, end quote. Just out of his room. Jehovah kept him out of the room. However, he goes on, quote, the demons didn't give up. From outside my bedroom, they would rattle the windows. They kept it up all night so that I could only get a couple of hours of sleep. They would try to wear me down, but I kept praying to Jehovah and going to all the meetings of the witnesses, and Jehovah helped me, end quote. Never mind that Jehovah didn't throw them out of the house or kill them or move them off this man. He just moved them outside the room into the hallway where they could bang on the door and the windows. <laughs> now imagine, do I say, that? am I laughing? Folks, I'm as raw and organic as I can be about my own shortcomings on this entire podcast. I am laughing at this and it is sarcasm. Okay. But the part that's deeply disturbing, as is almost always the case, children are hearing this stuff. Young kids. So you can imagine the impact this would have on a child who might be listening in to the, this fantastic counsel and storyline on demons and how they can come in and knock you upside the head. They can rattle your windows. They can crawl under your bed. Does any of this ring familiar for any kids who grew up in this environment as a Jehovah's Witness that literally terrified the hell out of me as a kid? on up into the teenage years and much honestly into adulthood as I'll get into. But in final, well, a couple final quick references just to show how far and how deep the governing body goes to instill this fear in everything and everyone. This one is from the booklet spirits of the dead. Can they help you or harm you? Do they really exist? Quote today, Satan and the demons are as murderous as ever. <laughs> Nothing to be afraid of there. In fact, their evil activity has increased since they were thrown out of heaven. Reports from around the world testify to their cruelty. They plague some people with illnesses. Yes, that's a quote. They can make us sick. Others, they harass at night, depriving them of sleep or giving them terrible dreams. They now invade your dreams. Others, they abuse sexually. Still others, they drive to insanity murder, or suicide. This is a quote. Lintina, who lives in Suriname, relates that a demon or bad spirit killed 16 members of her family and tormented her physically and mentally for 18 years. From firsthand experience, she states that the demons enjoy torturing their unwilling victims until death. End quote. This is in the pages of the wise and inspired direction of the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses for all to read. Demons now from their invisible realm have the ability to sexually abuse people, to make them go insane, murder them, drive them to suicide, torture them, 
for decades. That is a direct quote. Booklet, Spirits of the Dead, Can They Help You or Harm You? Do They Really Exist? Exist To show you how absurd this gets and, and where in many times, in many instances, you realize that Jehovah's Witnesses just check out mentally and logically. It, I'm going to read one more quote and, and then we're going to move on. <laughs> Demons apparently are also geographically challenged. Never mind that they, as we'll get into, come from heaven. Never mind that they're here. Never mind that they don't need passports. They were around when this whole planet was created. None of that matters. Demons are apparently <laughs> geographically challenged. As the Kingdom Ministry of November 1978, page 7, under the article, Help from Jehovah at the Right Time, says, quote, in country after country, reports are being received about the increased activity of the demons. What can we do to protect ourselves against the influence of the demons? How happy we all were at the international convention this summer when we received the new booklet, Unseen Spirits, Do They Help Us or Do They Harm Us? This booklet is an aid from Jehovah at the right time. We are glad to inform you that we will study this booklet at our congregation book studies during the month of December. You may be wondering, though, why is it that we will be studying this booklet in the United States since it's been prepared primarily for the African field? <laughs> the answer is we need to be alert to demonic influence that is prevalent here, too. Yes, there are many reports appearing in newspapers and magazines telling of spiritism in this country, end quote. Now, if you're a Jehovah's Witness reading this or you're hearing this announcement in 1978 at the Kingdom Ministry, you might think, well, you know, I got a few, I got a few questions here. <laughs> it, we're, we're making books just for the African brothers and sisters, but yeah, the Americans are going to take a look at it too because apparently... Uh, the demons aren't transitory despite being powerful, invisible spirit creatures. They, they tend to have a particular focus on Africa. Uh, why is that now? It, it couldn't be men or culture or religious beliefs that go back centuries in Africa. No, it's evil, invisible guys that who are impacting and influencing Africa in every evil way humanly possible. But hey, just in case, we're going to make sure that we study this pamphlet as well, which I was there in 1978. We're going to study this as well in the book study to make sure that if they decide to cross the Atlantic <laughs> and get somehow loose in the United States of America, because we're hearing reports, we're hearing reports that you too will be ready for evil spirits invading the United States of America. <laughs> I'll stop there. I could literally go on for hours. As I mentioned, my biggest fear wasn't the demons. It was how long this episode would go. There are hundreds and thousands and millions of pages of such counsel about the evils and everything they impact and all the things they can do to you and all the fear and terror 
that comes with demons, according to Jehovah's Witnesses and the governing body, which, of course, writes and disseminates this stuff all throughout the planet. Now, again, I'm having fun with this. It's obvious. I'm laughing. There's sarcasm. And there's a whole lot more coming, folks. <laughs> but keep in mind that, as is the case with so many episodes on this podcast, kids are hearing this. Kids. They're already completely influenced and impacted by illustration after illustration of violence and terror. We've gone into Noah's Ark in the Bible Stories book, watching babies be drowned and puppies. We've seen tent stakes through heads. I mean, we got a whole episode coming on the Bible stories books. We've got it. But kids are already showing up, at least in the decades that I grew up, to kingdom halls at least twice a week, a third time in the congregation book studies during this time period, which is now a defunct meeting. And they are being told that this is what's going on. That in 1978, as you saw in December, they were so excited to make sure that families, including kids, got into the book study arrangement and got to hear about unseen spirits. Now, you're a kid. I was a kid. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell? I mean, there's invisible bad guys I, can't, I don't even know how to deal with. It's not enough that I'm in junior high school going through puberty and can't celebrate a birthday or, or at that time, you know, go steady with a girl, but now you're telling me there's invisible boogeymen I have to watch out for and they're coming for me. They're coming for me. They could kill me. They could molest me. They can drive me to insanity and they can do this for decades. And there's apparently nothing anyone can do. Yeah. Yeah. Little guy. We're going to study that in a congregation book study over the next month in this wonderful, encouraging pamphlet from the governing body where we're going to unpack invisible boogeymen. And I'd send you home tonight to get into your bed and be terrified of every bump in the night, every sound, every thought streaming through your head that there may be an invisible set of evil creatures hanging out in your bedroom. <laughs> it's mind-boggling, mind-boggling. I don't want to get into the Bible's teaching on this because I really believe the Bible is a separate conversation from Jehovah's Witnesses, despite the fact that they lean into it. They don't follow it. And that's a whole other conversation. Nonetheless, that's their textbook. I don't want to get into the Bible's teaching, although it's inevitable because Jehovah's Witnesses lean into it. So you're a little guy, you're a little girl. Um, and I don't want to just focus on kids, but that's where my soft spot is. You could be a grown adult. You are being force-fed this crap that now invisible boogeymen are out to get you to. And there's only one place to go. You know, you're unemployed. You have an addiction. You suffer from depression. You're lonely. You uh, might be gay. Um, there's any litany of problems hammering you in life. Hammering you. And now... They want you to be sure to know that there might also be invisible guys in your bedroom that can do any list of horrific and terrifying things to you. And oh yeah, guess what? The only solution, the only solution is to go to the Kingdom Hall and get out in field service, hang out with Jehovah's Witnesses. Imagine that. The steady dose of fear 
terror, crushing your self-esteem, everything humanly possible to get you under their control lives and breathes with this entire teaching surrounding demons, evil spirit creatures that now, whether you know it or not, are watching you and they're just ready to do harm. Incredible, incredible. You know, I hear from Jehovah's Witnesses, all the great folks who might listen, take the time to listen to this crazy podcast or DM me or send me great notes on YouTube. And I've seen a lot of commentary and heard a lot of it in my personal life about how fearful people are of Armageddon and all the teachings around Armageddon. That, that did not scare me. That did not scare me. For whatever reason, I, had, I was cocky as hell. I had all the confidence in the world Jehovah would save me because I wanted to do what's right in Armageddon. Didn't scare me. You know what scared me? The thought that there was an invisible guy with fangs underneath my bed <laughs> as a kid. Demons. Demons were terrifying, terrifying. And I didn't come into this world knowing about demons. I learned them from Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> it's unbelievable the impact this teaching has had on witness kids. Gut-wrenching, man. Just gut-wrenching. And I, of course, as always, want to hear from everyone else. D did you experience this? I can't imagine I was alone. Can't. I just don't believe that. But let's keep talking about these guys, the evil bad guys, the invisible evil bad guys, which is a whole conversation unto itself. Did you know that Jehovah's Witnesses claim that demons are genderless? Yeah, it's just another fascinating feature that raises a whole ton of questions I'm about to launch into. Warning <laughs> on demons. Jehovah's Witnesses claim they're genderless. They're not male. They're not female. They're completely neutral. It's a word they like. They really love that word. Uh, and, and if you don't believe this, uh, please rest assured, I came loaded with a reference. <laughs> the Watchtower, number five, study edition from 2017. 2017, not 1817, not 1917, but nope, modern era. 2017 has this to say about demons, because I might preface this in case you're new to this. Demons are actually former angels who went sideways. We're going to get into why and how they did that, but angels that went sideways. So these, so angels slash demons, you're just one quick decision removed from going from someone that everybody wants protecting them to be scared shitless <laughs> by a demon, okay? Watchtower, number five, study edition 2017, quote, although angels are presented in the Bible as males and have always materialized as males, there is no male or female distinction among them. They do not marry and reproduce their own kind, end quote. I'm going to repeat that, folks. Watchtower number five, 2017, you know, five short years ago, five short years ago, the governing body got this message from Jesus, quote, although angels are presented in the Bible as males and have always materialized as males, there's no male or female distinction among them. They do not marry and reproduce their own kind, end quote. They're not males. Uh, even though the Bible, inspired of God, they're always showing up as males. 
even though every illustration we show you, they're males, even though every time they materialized in the Bible, they were males, uh, never a female, never a female angel, never. But they then just throw this curveball so they don't marry and reproduce their own kind. I don't think that was what we were looking for here. I think we want to know why they're always males. <laughs> Completely right over your head. And I was as guilty and as checked out as anyone. Like, okay, okay. You read it, you accept it, you move on. Your critical thinking ability has checked out at this point, particularly for me as raised as a witness. Um, but just remember that now as I launch into some fun. Jehovah's Witnesses claim angels are genderless, despite the fact the Bible, they're always male, always seen as male. Every illustration you see as male, they're always males. It couldn't have anything to do with males writing the Bible, right? No, 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 that couldn't be at all. No. Uh, it, so it's important to note that everything that has come after this, everything coming after this in the Garden of Eden, starting with Satan, who was the first angel that went sideways and became a demon, the chief demon. Just note that everything after Satan in the Garden of Eden, all Eden, excuse me, all of our problems, everything that's gone wrong, this all started because some genderless spirits, not male, not female, genderless, genderless creatures, genderless supernatural creatures got horny. They got horny. <laughs> That's right. And everything that's resulted since is because some creatures who don't have any human body parts or anything else got horny. So despite these angels in heaven being around, again, going back to where all these bad, evil guys are that are even in this room as I do this podcast, despite them being around to see the first woman created, Eve, uh, they still wanted women. Now, I get it. I, I want to preface this right now. I truly believe this, and this is from the heart. Women are stunningly beautiful creatures. They're beautiful. Now, I can hear people laughing at some of that. Whatever. They are. If they weren't, the human race would die out. Because, guys, we're not cute. Come on. Come on, guys. We're not cute. <laughs> okay? I'm not trying to offend. I'm just being very honest as a heterosexual male. Okay? Women are beautiful. Uh, so these angels with no body parts, they're genderless, are up there in heaven, and they see women. Uh, again, the Bible couldn't have been written by men, right? No, 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 no. The angels didn't look down at men. Although we'll get there, they looked down at women and went, wow. I mean, wow. <laughs> and I get it. I think all of us as guys uh, still do that. And women do that. Okay. But you've got to love how all the illustrations from the governing body and from Jehovah's Witnesses, every illustration you see in their literature is literally some buff dudes, some good looking buff dudes with beards, buff dudes that resemble Brad Pitt with wings. They're Brad Pitt with wings. Every angel turned demon is Brad Pitt with wings. Good looking. Uh, but again, up there in heaven and suddenly gone sideways after witnessing women or seeing women. And again, it, it always made me, you know, among other things, Eve was walking around naked for a while. That must have been difficult. <laughs> right? 
Okay, so some questions and facts from the land of demons, according to Jehovah's Witnesses. And again, as I forewarned everyone on this podcast, all I can do is give you my bizarre perspective and the overactive imagination and critical thinking abilities of this one imperfect man, namely me. <laughs> so here we go. Some questions and facts to consider in reference to demons, as terrifying as the governing body says they are. Um, here come some questions. They're always seen as men, Brad Pitt with wings, but they have no penis, no testicles, and they don't even have testosterone, which is, you know, really what gets us excited when we see a beautiful woman, right? But they magically, without explanation, you don't need any details, took the form of men. Even later on, as we saw, they these angels, these demons, also wanted other men, so they became homosexual. So it wasn't just heterosexual. They were also very interested in homosexual uh, relations. Uh, see Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, see Lot's whole fantastic decision to, you know, in this case, they were angels, not demons, but they show up and he offers up his daughters instead of, you know, these guys. But, but there's actually demons who, you know, as we can see, and according to Jehovah's Witnesses, are also interested in homosexuality, what they think is incredibly evil. I mean, God forbid a man love a man or a woman love a woman. That's horrific and demonized, demonic influence. So it wasn't just limited to women. However, couldn't have anything to do with the writers. No penis, no testosterone, no testicles. They seem to be infatuated with the beauty, beauty of women. None of this is taken from Greek mythology, of course, right? No, couldn't be. None of it. Okay. They were there to see, again, from the fact department on Demon, they were there to see Adam and Eve created. They saw the old rib from Adam magic trick. And I often wondered if that got their, like, palms sweaty. You know, like how you feel when you see that beautiful girl that you want to dance with? <laughs> like, was that the moment they went, oh, okay, <laughs> these women are special. <laughs> I, you know, again, these are my musings, folks. <laughs> Moving a step further, apparently demons just didn't and continue to not have enough to do, but stare at beautiful women all day. Now, look, as an imperfect man and men listening and other women listening, women are beautiful. It's lock, stock, and barrel. They're beautiful. So I get it, but I'm still confused why they're there. They don't, they're not made up of the same stuff we are. Doesn't matter, right? <laughs> They don't have enough to do. They're staring at women all day. The, the world's going straight to hell, but Jehovah just lets them sit around and stare at hot women. That's what he let them do that for centuries. I, apparently Jehovah didn't even notice. I mean, I go to the mall with my teenage son when he was a teenager and I'd see a cute girl his age and I'd see him checking her out. I noticed immediately, but Jehovah did not. He apparently, and if he did, he, he was okay with it. <laughs> He was okay with it. Look at all these angels slash about to become demons checking out hot women. <laughs> I don't know if you can explain it. I'm open to suggestions. That demons who started out as angels, they're a perfect life form at one point. Looking at imperfect women and getting hot and bothered? Now, look. This is going to seem like a reach, this next comment, but as a kid, I'm admitting, eh, without a fully developed brain, this is where my brain went. I was confused by that. 
uh, granted, and I was a guy, and I am heterosexual and think women are beautiful. Um, but as an angel built on perfection, we're supposed to believe that you're looking at a lower life form and getting turned on. Like, do we look at animals that way? <laughs> like a dog or gorilla walks by and we get, you know, sweaty palms over that. I mean, look, I'm not going to get into the deeply disturbing areas that people get into with animals. I'm just going to say that's not common. It's not common thing, <laughs> but we're supposed to believe they did. And then you get into the biology of it. I mean, even today, can a gorilla have sex with a dog and make another dog? The demons and women can somehow do that all in the details. Don't let this bother you. It has nothing to do with anything else being taught at the time period of the writing of the Bible. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not Greek mythology, not Roman. No, no, no. But here are some questions in addition to this that I had and continue to have based on Jehovah's Witness beliefs. Why in the world do you want to leave the perfection of heaven? It's perfect. It's got everything you need. You're not ruled by that thing that guys are downstairs. You've got everything you want. Human beings are literally dying to get to where they were in heaven, literally, rather than to live on a substandard earth filled with lesser life forms than perfect spirit creatures. I mean, it's to me, in my mind, I, I remember relating it in my deep things that make you say, hmm, do we as humans ever look at a doghouse or a zoo cage and think, I can't wait to, to get in there? <laughs> Somehow, these perfect sons of God apparently did. They watched it all be created from front row seats up there and whatever's outside the universe, watching him create the universe, the stars, galaxies, and the earth, and thought, I'd rather be down there. <laughs> I, Huh? Remember, these dudes, and, and, and listen, I'm going to drop more serious thoughts on you here because I, I recognize that I'm rambling, but this is again, one of those subjects I forewarned might be a, might be a long one uh, from the deep chambers of, um, of my mind and facts as taught by Jehovah's witnesses to this very moment to anyone who comes in contact with a Bible study with them. Remember these dudes, you know, non-genderless angels slash demons, even though we're just going to call them dudes because that's the way they've always materialized in every illustration we've ever seen from the Watchtower. These dudes had sex with women. Not sure how. Not sure how. We're going to make some assumptions. <laughs> they, they, took, they took the form of men, as we're told. Okay. All right. They, they had giant babies named Nephilim. They were bullies. You can see great illustrations for children of them choking people and beating women and all sorts of stuff in the often encouraging literature of Jehovah's Witnesses. They have these Nephilim, these giant babies, because, again, they can take human form. They can have sexual intercourse, but still there's something in their DNA that makes giant babies. No one knows. It's okay. Don't let your brain even go there. They have these babies, these giants, and they're living on the earth with their giant babies and these wives that they just had to have. But that decision leads all of mankind, including babies, including puppies, 
to get drowned out by Jehovah himself at a flood where only Noah gets to pack his family into a boat and sail away into the sunset. Everybody else dies based on these horny guys from heaven that want to become demons, have sex with women, have giant babies. And then Jehovah decides, eh, I'm not going to just hold these guys responsible. No, let's just drown everybody. But then in a decision that continues to have me scratching my head, Jehovah just lets these dudes, these demons go back to their spirit form and hang out at his house in heaven. <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? This is going to happen in a Bible study with Jehovah's Witnesses. You're going to hear these facts. Wait, wait a minute. They come down, had sex with women, which is unnatural and disgusting. It's like us with animals. And, and then they have giant babies and it causes violence and terrible things all over the earth. And Jehovah drowns everyone, including innocent babies, because, you know, they were here too. And then he just lets them come home and hang out at, at his place in heaven. He, Jehovah continued for centuries to allow them to go anywhere they wanted. Earth, heaven. D despite the fact that he's all-knowing and all-seeing, he allows the demons to have no holds barred access to whatever they wanted. <laughs> Seems reasonable, right? How, how, did that, how did that conversation go? Hey, Pops. Eh, made a mistake. I'm coming home. <laughs> what? Demons. Demons in a nutshell. There's the stories right from the beginning of the book. But but then it just keeps getting better in this subject of demons, according to the governing body and, and their expounded beliefs from the pages of the Bible. Uh, but then, according to Jehovah's Witnesses and the, and the GB, eight guys in upstate New York, faithful and discreet slave, Jehovah and Jesus decided to clean their house one day and send the supernatural perverts and murderers back to earth in 1914. That's right. He sent them back to us. <laughs> Apparently, they'd overstayed their welcome. They weren't cleaning their room. I, who knows? Let's send the supernatural perverts back to planet earth where my innocent, unknowing, uh, extremely vulnerable children are. And what do they do here? Do they rent apartments? They hold down job? No. Where are they exactly? Uh, apparently all around us, according to Jehovah's, all around us, all around us, just hanging out, watching us, looking for a chance to make our lives miserable. It, it begs the question why um, they've been here since 1914, but they can't rematerialize? I, uh, why don't they come back as buff dudes again <laughs> and chase supermodels? <laughs> Because keep in mind, according to the beliefs of Jehovah's Witnesses and the governing body, demons are still hanging out with us. They're still here. Their day is reserved just like all us bad people, like the, those poor innocent people in Noah's day. We're just, you know, trying to live our lives and have babies. Nope, you're going to get killed with them too. Even if you ever heard of me or had a Jehovah's Witness knock on your door or not, you're going down with these demons. It seems Jehovah's pretty consistent with how he deals with this situation of his children, his angels turning into demons and going sideways. <laughs> Apparently everybody gets to pay. Is that good parenting? <laughs> it's an unbelievable belief system. It's unbelievable. But that's demons in a nutshell. Ah, yes. Demons, according to Jehovah's Witnesses. And so... 
as a kid growing up in the 1970s and the 1980s, I personally, and I know I wasn't alone, I know for a fact I wasn't alone, lived in constant fear of the invisible bad guys hanging out and watching us. And no kidding, folks, I was scared. If there was anything weird or a noise in the night, and I'm talking, I did live on the edge, played football, dated girls in high school. Even then, if I heard something weird in the night or a knock outside the wall of the house or something, the first thought that shoots through my brain is, oh my God, it's the demons. <laughs> Not kidding. Because that had been pounded into my head since the time I was a little guy in the early 70s. All the illustrations, all the dramas, all the convention parts, all the talks, you were to be terrified of what would happen with demons. Let's let's bounce off some examples from my childhood. Oh my God, some of these are urban legend among Jehovah's Witnesses. And I'd love to hear from people who can actually say that they heard these too or might have heard better ones. But I want to go through how this belief on demons impacted my life as a kid until I got to be much older. I want to start with one that was world famous, the Smurfs. <laughs> I need to tell you, the Smurfs, which were seen as demons, and, and forgive me, I didn't dig around to figure out where the Smurfs come from. They were some Norwegian uh, cartooners. I don't even remember. Uh, little blue guys, little elves, blue guys. Uh, of course, there were literal talks in our kingdom hall about how the Smurfs were actually demons with big noses and a smile. <laughs> That's what they were. And there was a famous story that ran rampant through Jehovah's Witnesses in the U.S. where one little girl came to the kingdom hall and her mom and dad had bought her a Smurf, a stuffed Smurf doll. And at one point, a brother was up there giving a talk and he was condemning demons. And this Smurf came to life in the girl's arms and ran down the aisle of the kingdom hall screaming and plowed through the doors of the kingdom hall and disappeared into the sunset. <laughs> if you think I'm kidding, I am not. That is a true story regarding Smurfs and demons from Jehovah's Witness urban legend. A Smurf came to life and ran down the aisles of the Kingdom Hall screaming as it tried to get away from Jehovah's Holy Spirit on the Kingdom Hall in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I don't know where it was. I don't know. There was another classic. This was a field service story. I actually heard this in a car group where a, a Doberman answers the door of a sister. A sister knocks on a door in field service and a Doberman answers the door and speaks to her standing on its hind legs. And when she asked it why it wasn't attacking her and who it was, the Doberman made indication that he wasn't attacking her only because of the large invisible man standing behind her. Yes, one of Jehovah's angels. She encountered a demon at the door in the form of a Doberman <laughs> and he would not attack her because of the angels standing behind her. Apparently, the angels didn't have enough to do on the world scene with famine, rampant disease, and other things. They wanted to make sure that Dobie didn't chew on this sister's leg while out in field service. True story. True story. There was another one that I also heard in a field service car group one day. The famous story of a fortune teller, uh, someone reading palms or 
I don't know what it was, tarot cards, I can't remember, but telling a Jehovah's Witness that had shown up to their place of business to have their fortune read, that the demons told him, that the demons are telling him, literally so the Jehovah's Witness is sitting here knowing they're sinning. By the way, this is a disfellowshipping offense, no joke. But they're sitting there having their fortune read, and this witch or fortune teller tells him, the demons are speaking to me right now as you sit here, and they are telling me how much they hate Jehovah's Witnesses. And they're telling me that they're coming after all of you Jehovah's Witnesses because Jehovah killed all their women and children at the flood in Noah's day. So now they're going to do the same by killing Jehovah's Witnesses as revenge against what Jehovah did in the time of Noah. Did you hear that one? That one went around for a while. It was something else. All of those were kind of blanket, crazy stories regarding demons that were told in the Kingdom Hall or after the meeting or in a field service group. And kids would overhear this. And other adults, even as an adult, people would be creeped out by this. I mean, people are creeped out by horror movies. They're like, what? But I'll tell you, as a kid, and really, truly, full disclosure and vulnerability, it's what inspired me to do this episode. When we were kids... Uh, and I don't remember where the teaching came from, but certainly was not squelched by my very loving mother. I believe demons could come through the television set. Yeah, they could come through the TV. Where I got that fully, I don't know, but I suspect it's a lot of very, very vivid experiences I can remember now. My mother would jump up and run to the television if a a cult-driven or monster movie or a horror movie preview came on a commercial. The Exorcist. Uh, I remember The Shining in the late 70s and how it came on the TV. My blood would run cold and my mother would run to the television to turn the channel as quickly as possible, as possible because I truly believe the demons, if we showed interest and watched the preview, would come through the TV. They'd invade our house. Am I the only one? <laughs> I would love to hear from people if anybody in the 70s and 80s heard such similar things or saw their parents do similar things. I remember The Shining with Jack Nicholson. I was up one night. It was probably 78 or 79 in our little apartment. And I, for some reason, mom let me stay up. I was watching TV, watching Saturday Night Live. And I remember The Shining, Jack Nicholson coming on. And I'm sitting there in the dark and be closing my eyes and praying to Jehovah because I couldn't get to the TV fast enough in the dark to turn it off. I was in junior high school. <laughs> the demons were going to come through the television set and invade our apartment. Literally stuff I believed. I, I can't believe I was the only one. But if I am, well, there you go. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> but I remember going to movies and we'd be going to see a Disney movie or Star Wars and we'd have to close our eyes and plug our ears when a horror movie came on for fear the demons would invade our brains from just sitting in the theater, seeing the preview. And I, I mentioned that that's what inspired this episode because I literally have a reoccurring dream, a reoccurring dream. I am 54 years old in that apartment of the television. And, and you know, these dreams where you can't move fast enough. You're in quicksand. You just can't get there. Everything's in slow motion. Of, of a demonized movie coming on the television and I can't get to the TV and they're coming out the screen. I still have that dream. <laughs> Had it the other night 
voila, it becomes a surviving paradise podcast episode. <laughs> did anybody else have this? Oh my God. I've got to believe somebody else did, but let's continue down the path. We literally wouldn't buy anything at garage sales. Why? Well, for one, I got OCD and it's sorry, folks. I'm just not interested. It's just my nature. But even as a kid, we wouldn't buy anything. Why? Not because it was dirty, not because it was used, but because it could be possessed by demons. <laughs> what? A toy, a shirt, a book, a house plant, a power tool. All of them could be demonized. Imagine this, and, and as I was told, imagine if the owner had watched The Exorcist the night before or Poltergeist, and you bought that pair of socks from them on the table for a quarter, the demons would hitch a ride to your house on the socks. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And I can't believe for half a second that I was the only one that was a victim of this nonsense as a kid. But, oh, man. I'll tell you what, it, it, there were times where something weird would happen. There'd be bumps in the night. And if we had gotten some from a friend at school or, or someone that we didn't know what movies they watched or something, we had to take it out. We had to burn it. We had to get rid of that. That could be demonized. It was unbelievable. The fear and the trepidation and the terror it put into the minds of a child. Just thinking that anything you got at a garage sale or Goodwill it, it, where I grew up, there was a place called Bargain Box. We couldn't get, get, bring home anything from there. It could have been, you know, somebody could have watched a demonized movie or or they had a Ouija board and we were they were hitching a ride on that pair of socks back to the apartment. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And I'm not kidding. The fear was real. Here's a big one that I, I know I'm not alone on this because I've had lots of people share their stories. But my God, there are two, three things I love in life. As a person, I absolutely love coffee. I absolutely love my Los Angeles Rams. I'm a football fan. And I absolutely love music. Music is my favorite thing. It keeps me happy. It can make me sad. It's, it is my emotional elixir. It is what I move towards when I want relief or when I'm in a mood as a moody person. But where do I even begin on this subject of demons and music? <laughs> This was such a big deal in the 70s and on into the 80s, as I will relate. But I'll start as early as I can remember with some of the music I loved and I continue to love to this day. And I have wide, wide taste in music. I don't like country music. Sorry for all the country music lovers out there. And I don't like rap. Not my thing. But in the 70s, and in what I think is a golden era for music, I loved everything. I loved everything. And I can remember vividly the day I was told I cannot listen to Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin, which is an incredible classic, love them or hate them. Uh, because, you know, there was demonic messaging that was on the, re on the album that if you ran the album in reverse, because why would I do that at 13? I, I don't know. Why would I even think to run my album in reverse and scratch it on the old record player with the needle? I don't know. But if you did... There was some demonic messaging on that. So, of course, what did I do with that, despite my fear? Uh, I tried it. <laughs> I got Stairway to Heaven, except I got it on a 45 for you youngsters out there. 
they were the cool, smaller version, single of the song with an A side and a B side. And I got Stairway to Heaven and I played it over and over and over again. And as many times as I played that song, I still get goosebumps during Jimmy Page's solo. It's an incredible song. But we were taught, oh my God, they're demonized. Everything about Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven is demonized because of the secret messaging, the occult, occult messaging running rampant throughout their music. But it wasn't just that. It was anything with sex in music, anything with drugs in music, anything with alcohol in music. I mean, but even during the Led Zeppelin years, I was in love, as I mentioned, with a wide array of music. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. Come on. Where are my Earth, Wind, and Fire lovers? Absolutely some of the best music ever made in the late 70s. And all of their album art, which I couldn't wait to see a new album in the record store for you youngsters. We used to have those. All of their album art was inspired by Egyptian hieroglyphics. And of course, that made them demonized. The demons could come in your house if you owned Earth, Wind, and Fire. When I was older and more into high school, I was big time into hair metal. I got photos of me with mascara. I'm admitting it now. I was into hair metal in the 80s, and yet everything about hair metal was demonized, right? Motley Crue with the pentagram. Um, all of the music of Ronnie James Dio, Iron Maiden, all of the bands, Scorpions, their rebellious attitude was influenced by the demons, as the brothers would counsel. Everything was demonized. I remember even going back to the 70s, I just had a flash memory of how terrified I was of David Bowie and his whole uh, Major Tom look, the entire space band look, and how terrified I was of him because I thought he was a demon. He was demonized. Music is probably one of those areas where Jehovah's Witnesses just really pound home the demon thing. It is absolutely overwrought and overrun in all sorts of counsel on music. At least it was during those decades. And I got stories upon stories of that stuff. In fact, I will tell you one story where we as teenagers, teenage guys, we were in high school, we were all dating sisters, so to speak. We were doing all sorts of naughty stuff. I will not repeat here with the sisters and boys and girls do when they're dating. Nonetheless, we decided to turn it around, us five guys, and we were going to burn all our hair metal albums. And we went out to do it one night at one of the guy's house. And we were trying to burn the albums. And some of us were inside while burning the albums, drinking alcohol at 15 and 16. That didn't bother us, but we were going to get rid of the demons, damn it. <laughs> One of the guys comes running in and says, I tried to burn this album and it won't burn. Smoke descended upon me from the sky like it looked like it might have been a demon. And he ran in the house to tell us, it, folks, it was smoke. <laughs> but this is where our brains were. They were molded. Fear, terror of these invisible guys that were sitting around watching us while we listened to Rat and Dokken. And Bon Jovi, <laughs> they were coming for us, man. I can't even get into moving on from music, astrology. I, I don't even remember when I learned I was a Leo. I can't remember. It was forbidden. I, I couldn't even tell you anything about that. And of course, the classic was Ouija boards in the 70s, which were wildly popular in the hippies and, and all the people that I grew up. Oh, my God, a Ouija board was just, you know, Satan was going to camp under your bed that night, along with all his demonic friends. So demons and the fear 
that the governing body and Jehovah's Witnesses pounded into children. I mean, look at me reel this off. This is one of those subjects. And I have gone long, as I suspected, and I'm not done yet. That this is one of those subjects that was just unbelievable as a kid and took years to shake off because when your brain is in the early formation stages, this just has a deep damaging effect. Unbelievable. So as always, as I've done in past episodes, I've got to share some of my own questions that I had as a kid. The musings of Stacy as he lie in bed at night, sweating in terror at the thump of the sound, probably was the air conditioner, but it doesn't matter. I thought that there were some demons outside my door uh, because apparently Jehovah only moves them into the hallway. Uh, here's some questions that I had as a kid. These guys, these angels slash demons have seen Jehovah. They've been in heaven. Why exactly are they interested in me? <laughs> I'm a kid. I'm 15. I'm in puberty. Uh, I like football and that girl in my math class. And wh what? Why are they interested in me exactly? What do I got to offer these guys? <laughs> I'm not even a pretty woman. By this point, point I fully realize that demons are really, I guess, just into women. <laughs> I, I don't know. They, here's one that's always puzzled me, and this may be very male, okay? I remember thinking, I actually remember where I was. They've seen Jehovah, and they think they can take him. You know, like, I see that. You see that guy over there, that, that six-foot-two guy? I could take him. These demons actually think they can take Jehovah, even though he made them? I mean, I've seen the rock, but I'm not sure I'd ever let a thought enter that I can take him if he wants to wrestle. What? It makes zero sense. It's like, why would a demon think they could take the guy that made them? I, I Bizarre. As a teenager in junior high, I, I remember literally one day on the schoolyard, uh, God, what was wrong with me? I think therapy was in my future. <laughs> Looking back at these stories, they, these guys, these, these demons literally saw the solar system created, but they can't resist boobs? <laughs> like, what? I, I mean, and it gets worse than that it, because, of course, as a teenager, you're just hypersexualized. You're in puberty. You're thinking along these terms. You're in love with that girl across the way. And so you're thinking, well, I get why they are because I am too. But you're having these thoughts like, well, they're supernatural creatures. So, look, I never had a moment where I admired watching squirrels have sex. But these guys were watching imperfect hum humans have sex and they couldn't risk getting involved? Like, <laughs> Like, does that make sense? Like, or was I just a disturbed kid? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I don't watch squirrels do their thing and think, I'd like to get me some of that. But apparently they did, according to the governing body in the Bible. Uh, they they got some guy bodies. So, so they materialize as men. How long were they infatuated with that feeling? Like, they like rub their biceps. I'm not going to, I'm going to be careful here. Uh, but what they think of pooping and peeing, <laughs> were, were they perfect bodies? Were they, I mean, every illustration we see, they look like Brad Pitt with wings. So uh, were, did they get to choose how they looked when they became guys and, and chased women around? Uh, what, what happened to those dude bodies when the flood rolled up? Like, were they just laying in the front lawn? They just kind of discarded them like I throw my shirt on the floor at night and... Furthermore, going a step further, how did they feel about other demonized uh, men guys, demon guys, 
uh, checking out their daughters. Huh? That didn't bother them knowing what's going on in their heads and where they came from? These are the kind of thoughts that you have as a kid, as one of Jehovah's, well, okay, look, I'm exposing myself. I guess I did. (laughs) Maybe not everybody does. I'd love to hear everybody's comments. I hope we have some fun with this. But, you know, Satan, he he chose to be a snake instead of a lion? Why, Why is that? Is there a reason he didn't just show up like another man since apparently they can do that? The angels did it. I'm sure Satan could do it. Why didn't he just show up with Eve and be this, you know, Brad Pitt with wings, just more handsome than Adam and say, hey, I got this fruit. And, but he showed up as a snake? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody. Why does all this sound like Zeus, Greek mythology? Ah, never mind. We'll stop there. <laughs> I tell you. Uh, I'm. This is going to be the longest podcast episode in history, but it is just both disturbing and wildly fun when you look back on it as an adult. And remember, we were taught what we could do if the demons, these invisible bullies and bad guys were around us. We were taught, and I remember my mother teaching us this. I remember hearing it from the stage. The, the only way to not be harassed by demons was, of course, close association with Jehovah's Witnesses. Imagine that. I need them. I need them. I'm scared if I don't have them. That's not cult-like at all, right? Okay. But they were taught in a vulnerable moment, what would you do if a demon was attacking you or you were under the influence of demons? We were taught as kids to scream out the name Jehovah. Scream it out because it terrified the demons. And they would run like cockroaches when the light came on. So, yep. When I was scared as a little boy, it, it, this didn't happen later, but eh, teenager, I, you know, I guess, I just scream out Jehovah and curl up in my ball in my bed thinking demons were dancing in my room when it was really just a poster falling off the wall <laughs> at two in the morning. I think, oh my God, it was a poster of Van Halen that's demonized and I would launch into Jehovah. I mean, it's unbelievable the impact that these teachings and this terrible stuff had on children. And it continues. As you can see, they still turn this out. 2017, they're still turning out demon stories. The other only thing you could do if you were attacked by demons was to light a fire. It was all about burning stuff, right? All about burning stuff, which I always thought was kind of interesting too. Uh Uh-huh. I wonder why Jehovah didn't do that. He, he used a bunch of water and drowned everybody. If he could have just rained fireballs. Oh, well, questions from the edge. <laughs> but if you had a demonized toy or you had a pair of demonized socks, uh, I mentioned the albums in the 80s, we'd take them out back, light the barbecue and go to town, burn those demons out of there. So these are the kind of teachings that kids, at least in my generation, were taught in reference to demons. It It's really, truly amazing to look back on and take a journey through the spiritual paradise I was raised in of Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, as this extended in our closing minutes here to me being an adult as an adult elders, I I was still confronted with this, even though, and, and trust me, even at that, at that time, I believed in demons. I didn't have the same raging terror I had as a boy, but we still had healthy respect, I guess is the best term for this. But imagine what happens when a teenager comes to me as an elder and he says, look, I did some mushrooms and I was attacked by the demons. <laughs> okay, please sit down. We, we need to talk. 
those were not demons. Uh, that's psilocybin. <laughs> so this belief still reigns in people. They could do drugs. They could listen to bad music. They could go to a concert. They could watch Poltergeist or, or Friday the 13th. And then they come to the elders. Oh my God, I think I'm, the demons are attacking me. It's still went on. And I can tell you in elders meetings, other grown men would just roll their eyes, almost incidentally, like they didn't believe in the demons, which I found kind of fascinating on some levels. I actually had in my, my biggest experience with demons as an elder, I had a wonderful woman, wonderful woman, mother of three, single mother, loved her, loved her daughters. They were amazing. They're still amazing. Um, to my knowledge, she has passed away, which is heartbreaking. Uh, but the girls are still here. But they called me over to the house one night. I brought a young ministerial servant. I was going to teach them how to do a shepherding call. And they were afraid that the demons were in the house, in their home. Strange noises, cupboards closing. they I think they had watched a movie or something that caused these feelings. But they were having some kind of, you know, something going on in the house. Uh, and they had us over. So I, you know, I had to delicately, masterfully using the Bible, never believing for one second when I got there with this ministerial sermon that this was the case. I believed it was something else, which tells you subconsciously I was probably starting to realize a few things, I guess. Um, but I masterfully opened to James 2.19, where it talks about how the demons believe in Jehovah and they shudder. And they were just, oh, tears and happiness and warmth and hugs. Thank you for reminding us of this. Oh, my goodness. We've, we said a prayer. We asked for Jehovah's forgiveness. Never had another demon problem after that. Never had a cupboard shut or a loud noise that they thought was Satan and his friends. They just were able to move on. Showing fully and completely that this stuff had been planted and burned into their brains and imprinted on their hearts to be afraid of invisible guys that have been hanging out on this planet since the dawn of time. No one knows what they do or where they live or how they go or what the parameters are around their lifestyle or the things they can do. Of course, according to references we read here, they can do and commit any kind of grievous, horrific crime, but only sometimes. I, I don't know. But this is the kind of stuff that these people, these young women were impacted by. And, you know, if I had to close on one serious comment about this issue of demons and demonic activity and, and what Jehovah's Witnesses are taught, it's that oftentimes, maybe often is too strong, but there are times when many mental illnesses, serious things, things people need help for, are misdiagnosed as lack of spirituality or cavorting with the invisible demon guys. When in reality, they might be bipolar, they might be schizophrenic, they might be depressed. This kind of stuff has gone misdiagnosed. That's not even a good term to use. As something that was going on with invisible guys that dropped their man, their buff Brad Pitt with wing bodies on the ground and went back to God's house and hung out for a few centuries till he cleaned the house. And then they, he so lovingly sent them down to his vulnerable children so they could hang out and harm us here. Oh God, it's just unbelievable. And there are people 
that have been a victim of this. One final reference as we close out this week. It, it comes to us from the May 1st, 2003 question from the readers, quote, hence, while an individual who reports hearing voices or who has other disturbing sensations may not want to discount demon harassment, he should definitely be encouraged to consider investigating whether there's a physical explanation for what he is experiencing, end quote. You think, you think, they stop short of saying see a therapist. They stop short of saying get medical attention. Just investigate whether there's a physical explanation. Ugh. Such grand wisdom from the eight guys who claim that Jesus told them to say that and disseminate it to millions. So folks, this has been a long one. I will probably stop this episode and think of five other funny stories. And I really do try to laugh at this, but also lend weight where I realize that there are those who are still affected by this. And there are those who are affected by other things that have nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with invisible bad guys hanging around as we make this podcast, looking for an opportunity to make our lives hell. Just another one of the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses based on fear based on control, taking verses of the Bible, molding it to them, molding it to 1914, a loving father who's already drowned and killed everybody who hung around with these guys, but then thinks it's cool to send them right back here in 1914 to hang around with us again. Thanks for taking this walk with me <laughs> through the always unbelievably entertaining sometimes knowledgeable, but always interesting spiritual paradise of Jehovah's Witnesses. Ah, yes, demons. Now as a non-Jehovah's Witness, now I tend to laugh at horror movies. And I think even then, that's kind of a subconscious reaction to something that used to terrify me. I, I truly today see man, the human man, human beings as the scariest creatures on this planet. And I think the evidence supports that in its treatment of the environment, of animals, of each other. So again, thanks to everyone who wrote out this long episode. <laughs> I feel like I should hand out prizes. But thanks for joining me this week on Surviving Paradise. We appreciate the support. I love and can't wait. And I'm hopeful to hear of other people's uh, entertaining, hopefully not damaging stories of this teaching of demons among Jehovah's Witnesses. So give me your best demon stories or experiences on YouTube or on Twitter, Instagram. Like, subscribe to the Surviving Paradise podcast. I want to say thank you to all of you for putting up with me and hope to at some point we can all connect. Not sure how, but let's keep the dream alive. Be well, have a fantastic week, and I will see you all next week on Surviving Paradise. 